Aloha. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. The body tells us what it wants us to know, and our main job is to listen to that. Today we're going to be talking with Dr. Mitchell Yoss. He is an expert with over three, almost three decades of experience in the world of physical therapy, and he has developed a unique system of how we can listen to our bodies, which will probably give us the best clue on how we need to handle some of our symptoms and how sometimes doing a lot of testing, x-rays, and MRIs may not actually give us the complete picture or even tell us what we need to know. So thank you for joining me on the show today, Dr. Mitchell. It's great to be here. I'm excited to speak to your listeners and hopefully give them an understanding of how they could do better in identifying the cause of their pain and resolve it quickly and effectively. Well, that is that is the big question that we have when a lot of people have pain symptoms is, you know, we ask, what do they want? And of course, the first thing they say is they want to get better. And, you know, we want to make them better. So I'm curious, you've been in the field for a very long time, and you clearly uh, saw and recognized that there were some deficiencies in how we were approaching some of our issues with musculoskeletal type pains, like back pains, etc. And, you know, you're not the only one, there are some other folks out there who also agree that sometimes rushing to doing x-ray and imaging is not the best of all plans. How did you come up with your particular method of diagnosis and treatment? So during my period of time, during my education, I followed the same educational background that I was given as all physical therapists and chiropractors and medical people. Um, are given, and it really kind of primarily focuses around diagnostic testing as the means of establishing the cause of pain. But very, very quickly within my experience, I started to notice, it seemed to me as the first logical thing to ask somebody when they're in pain is, where's your pain? And so in doing so, I would start to notice that they would describe the location of their pain not where you would expect it to be if the diagnostic test finding was actually creating their pain. And that was highly confusing for me. So I decided to play it out and try to really get to understand what their body was telling me by interpreting what the body was saying. And I actually found that in more than 98% of cases, the cause of pain was muscular. It was actually muscle creating the pain, responsible for the pain, even when Structural variations such as herniated discs or arthritis or meniscal tears were identified. And I went on to treat these muscular causes. And sure enough, within a treatment or two, the person was pain-free and fully functional. And that's what's led me to follow this process over almost three decades. Now, you mentioned that there are some folks in academia who agreed with your thoughts that, in fact, if you do testing, for example, MRI testing of the back, if someone has back pain or of other joints or other areas of the body, that, in fact, you know, I remember hearing hearing percentages, and please correct me where I'm wrong, like 30 to 40 percent of all findings on an MRI have no relevance to symptoms, and most people are going to have some findings, but if that's not correlating with their symptoms, that's clearly not causing it. So this was a concept that I think some other folks recognized. And, you know, clearly it's something you saw early in your career. Who else has made that discovery? 
uh, that there's been multiple studies. The original study relating to back pain came in 1994 when the first study was done on people who had no lower back pain, and it was established that 70% of the population who have no back pain have herniated or bulging discs. Uh, more recent studies showed that of people with no lower back pain over the age of 60, 90% are found to have degenerative disc disease. In the knee, studies have shown those who have knee pain 63% have meniscal tears, while those people who do not have knee pain, 60% have meniscal tears. Wow. So <laughs> there, there is an extreme disconnect between positive findings and pain. Why do you think that is? Uh, well, I could give you my full <laughs> understanding, which is the fact that if you recognize chronic pain has not existed prior to the 19, late 1980s, early 1990s, I would suggest that the actual cause of chronic pain is technology and automation, which has led to people to using their bodies less. As a result, they've become more sedentary. They simply do less. And when they do try to do things, they're going to be more apt to strain or sprain muscle or strain muscles, which is what is leading to pain. And you could see that because based on the age groupings, Prior to the late 1980s, it was mostly older people who suffered from chronic pain. I have been treating people from the teens all the way to 102 now. Uh, a substantial amount of my population are in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. And these people would account for the fact that they basically depend on technology, phones, and laptops, and things like that. And as a result, they're simply not using their muscles. That's why chronic pain has only begun to exist and has only been in mankind's history since the late 1980s, early 1990s. That is my opinion. Well, and it sort of correlates with some of the technological advances. I mean, I think if we think about the ways that a lot of people were having jobs previously, you know, it may not have been so computer-based, internet-based. You said technology, and I'm just as guilty as everybody else of, you know, watching a little Netflix on my phone and holding it with a bent wrist and a and mm -hmm. a bent elbow, and then I go, wow, why is my elbow tingling? Well, maybe because I'm using bad behavior and bad posture when I do something. So, you know, I certainly think that there's a lot to be said for the ways in which we have evolved technologically and advanced at the same time, not considering that the body's structured to move. And if we don't do that for hours and hours at a time, we do know that that could be a risk. I'm curious, you know, I'm certain that you have some, some pretty memorable stories of folks for which, you know, you initially started to work with them and they started to respond really well to some of your treatments. Do you have anyone in particular? Certainly, I'm sure the 102-year-old sounds memorable, but is there any story in particular where you've had an amazing success that you can share with us? I would say one of the most extreme cases I've had was a woman who had a progressive scoliosis that occurred over 40 years. Eventually, she had such severe levels of pain that she became addicted to pain medication. And the thought process was the scoliosis. The curvature of the spine was the cause of her pain. And the intent was to put a rod in her back from her skull to the pelvis. And just by almost destiny, um, she came in contact with me and I was able to explain to her that the scoliosis itself is not the cause. 
but a representation of a symptom. This goes to the understanding of interpreting the body's presentation of symptoms. So what happens is if you have weakness or imbalance on either side of the spine, the muscles will pull at an uneven level, which will cause the spine to curve. So once you recognize that the curvature was actually a symptom, just as the pain was, not from the spine itself, the vertebrae, but the muscles attaching, I was able to strengthen her back appropriately, got her off pain medication, and returned to the full function, which included single ski water skiing, which is quite remarkable. And we were even able to show that there was a beginning of a reversal of her curvature from the strengthening that we did. That was probably the most extreme case I've ever had. Well, I'm just amazed at single water ski skiing in and of itself. Even if you don't have scoliosis, I would be amazed because I don't think I could do it. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Mitchell Yoss about some of the cases that he's seen and how common things that people experience these days, back strain, herniated discs, etc., may lead to some of these body symptoms that we have to pay attention to. We'll talk more about what those symptoms are and what we should be knowing about it. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have Dr. Mitchell Yoss on the line. He has almost three decades of experience in the world of physical therapy, and more than that, he's established a method that helps people to use muscle strengthening and ways to listen to their body symptoms as a way to discover the true source of their pain. Right before the break, we were talking about a patient who you mentioned had scoliosis and was potentially going to have a corrective surgery when, in fact, working with them on muscle strengthening in different areas of their body has led to a restoration of their function. Now, I'm curious, for one of the most common things that we see in medical offices is people who experience back pain. You know, maybe they lift something heavy or they bend and twist in a way that they're not used to and they start to experience pretty significant back pain. When someone has that, what do you think should be the first thing that they should do? So, By definition, you just described the fact if they lifted something or they bent and twisted in a certain way that that brought on their pain. It must be understood that the tissue responsible for lifting something or bending and twisting is muscle. So just by definition, if you can associate your pain with some sort of functional activity, you must initially assume that your problem is muscular. Now, here's the key thing to understand about what the body wants to present you. So muscle isn't just responsible for function. It's also responsible for posture and movement. So that person who has that low back pain, right, let's say, for instance, we were to look at their back, we might find that they have an excessive arching of their lower back. Well, if you had shortening of the muscles that attach to the lumbar spine, which could create pain there, it might also present with this altered posture. Another very common thing people talk with lower back pain is the fact that if they sit for a while 
and then try to stand up. They kind of have to push themselves up by pushing on their thighs. Well, that limitation is a representation of shortening of those same muscles. So the inability to functionally stand up quickly without having to assist yourself with your hands is another symptom representative of a muscular cause. So here we've talked about the, the mechanism that's created the symptom. We've talked about a postural variation. We've talked about a movement problem. When you combine all of these symptoms, they're all clearly describing the muscular cause. The identification of a herniated disc doesn't justify all these things, an excessive arching, difficulty standing, um, and even pain off to the side of the lower back. If your pain is off to the side of the lower back, it's hard to say that a herniated disc could create that. You'd expect the pain to be at the spine. So location of the pain is another factor, and these all need to be understood by a physical presentation, a physical evaluation to interpret everything the body is telling us about what tissue is creating those symptoms. And when you identify, you know, I, I often... Uh, hear and recall people saying, you know, 80% of, of the diagnosis is based on the history. You know, what somebody says causes their symptoms or makes it worse or makes it better. And that in combination with looking at what sort of targeted physical exam can help you to identify the source of the symptoms is often much better than what we tend, and I admit, guilty, we tend to rely on, which would be more of the scans and the x-rays and the MRIs. So in general, even if you had somebody who presented like we just talked about, and they had all these classic features of this being more of a muscular presentation, they could have an MRI or an x-ray that would look pretty horrible. But, you know, that x-ray or MRI might have looked horrible three weeks ago, and they didn't have any symptoms. So it wasn't until there was some sort of activity that resulted in this alteration of the muscle movement that they started to have the trouble. So, you know, in that sort of situation, what would be some of the some of the ways that they could help themselves? Should they should they start doing certain stretches? Should they see their doctor? Should they see a physical therapist? You know, a lot of folks come in and they say, I want an x-ray, I want an MRI. And sometimes we have to go through a process of explaining why that might not be the best test. What would be the next best step? So I would just want to point out to people regarding this concept of getting a diagnostic test. If, if you're over 50 or 60, and you've had the normal type of life where you've done something physical in the life, don't you think there's a very high probability that you've gotten some development of arthritic changes or meniscal tears or herniated discs just by living life? Yeah, like wear and tear, and sure. Yep, right. wear and tear. So why would it make sense that simply that, that structural variation is identified at the time of the pain, that that means it's the cause of the pain? when it's been shown that as many people who don't have pain have the same structural variations. That's why the use of the X-ray or MRI really doesn't make sense in the, initial, in the initial stage. And the American College of Physicians actually in 2007 identified that and said exactly what you said, that getting a complete history and doing some sort of physical examination has a much better chance of outcome than diagnostic testing. So you need to get to somebody who can perform some sort of physical evaluation. And again, as you just said, interpret the history. What brings on the pain? What makes the pain go away? Uh, how long have you had the pain? 
where is the pain? And then look at other types of situations. So let's say that the pain is from a muscle in the lower back. Well, if we look at the posture and you have an excessively uh, increased arch, well, that's going to represent that your lower back muscles have shortened for a reason. We'd have to understand the muscular cause, but that has to be added into the equation. You can't simply say you have pain. Let's disregard everything else that the body's telling you. You can't bend forward and touch your toes if you have pain. Well, that's a factor. That's something that has to be added into the equation of determining what tissue is in distress creating your symptoms. So you must get that physical evaluation and the complete history. And I think at that point, you can have a better chance of determining whether the cause is structural or muscular. The great news is if it's muscular, all you need is a few exercises performed using the appropriate resistance. And within weeks, you should be able to become pain-free and fully functional. And that's really good news because I know a lot of folks want to, their main goal is to get rid of the pain and they want some instruction on how to do it. Let's kind of use this example of someone who, like we talked about earlier, might have lifted or twisted or turned and they have acute onset of symptoms and it's determined that it's more muscular and maybe they do need to do some type of retraining of their back. They may have the exaggerated arch of the back that you've described. Maybe they're in a sedentary job position where they're always sort of, like the common thing I see these days is leaning forward, looking at the computer, kind of hunched over with their shoulders. So what would be a way, you mentioned doing some activities and exercises that could counterbalance that. How would people know what to do? So is that where the the almost three decades of physical therapy expertise <laughs> come into play? Because it sounds like you've got a really good handle on how to help people discover the best way to strengthen their body to really help themselves with their symptoms. So partly you have to just know a little bit about my personal history, which is I was that guy who had the sand kicked in his face his entire life and decided that I was going to change my life by weightlifting. I strangely enough took a high school physics course and started applying physics laws to weightlifting. And it gave me a massive advantage in understanding how to make muscle, how to strengthen it. That was personal. I then went on, and this was my second career, and had an opportunity to work with thousands of people in being able to strengthen individual muscles. Here's the big question most people have and why most people are hesitant to try something like this. They're in pain from doing activities, and I'm saying you need to strengthen. So they say, well, if it hurts to bend or twist, how could it not hurt to do exercise? That's going to create a lot of fear and hesitancy. Well, here's the answer. The type of exercise I promote is one in which we're trying to isolate a muscle. Muscles move one joint in one direction. So for the substantial amount of the exercises I request people to perform, they're in a seated position. Only the one muscle that I'm trying to work is moving. We use appropriate resistance that allows the muscle to adapt and get stronger until its force output is greater than the force requirement of their activity so they can perform their activity without it straining. And so it's a very, very controlled style of exercise. I've always said that if an exercise seems hard to do, it's probably not a good exercise. My exercises are very controlled. As I said, the majority of them require sitting, and all we're doing is moving one joint in one direction. The only difficulty is in how much resistance you use. And by the way, I have treated people from the age of 5 to 102 
utilizing this method. So it is a highly effective method, and, and I'll, you know, I have to be honest, it's mostly derived through my life's experience and then the opportunity to work with almost 15,000 people. Well, anybody who says they like physics is already a genius in my world because that was not one of my strong points. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Mitchell Yoss and hear more about what some of these exercises might actually look like and also where you can get more information because all of us, no matter how old we get, get some wear and tear on the body and we want to know how to stay pain-free. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm talking with Dr. Mitchell Yoss, and he is telling us some more about ways to stay and to find, if we do have pain, ways to uh, alleviate that pain and, and stay moving and functional with our body. Now, right before the break, we talked a little bit about some of the ways in which you established this program. And, you know, Dr. Yoss, you mentioned that you dealt with thousands and thousands of people and you've developed this method because of your history and your knowledge of physics and and the ways in which you know the body works. So uh, describe for me what an exercise might look like. You said a lot of the activities someone is sitting. So I would imagine posture plays a pretty good role. You have to sit correctly if you're going to do some sort of exercise for joints or for your back. What would it look like if somebody were to be doing some of these exercises you've developed? Describe it for me. Sure. So when we talk about, let's go back to that lower back pain with the person who has the excessively arched lower back. The primary reason for this, and I'm going to say that in more than 80 to 90 percent of people with lower back pain, this is the cause of their pain. Most people are looking at the lower back and they're going to say, oh, I guess my problem is is that my lower back is weak and I need to strengthen my lower back. That is a complete misunderstanding. The reason that you're having pain at your lower back is because your front thigh muscles, the muscles in the front of the thigh called the quadricep muscles, are stronger than the posterior thigh muscles, the hamstrings. Now, the thigh muscles attach to the pelvis. And so if the quad muscle, that front thigh muscle, were to become too strong in relationship to the hamstring, it can shorten and pull the front of the pelvis down. That causes the back of the pelvis to rise, causing the back, uh, uh, the top of the back top of the pelvis to come closer to the back of the ribcage. That's what causes the lower back muscles to shorten and arch. That's why they have the pain, because it's in an inappropriate length it can no longer support the lower back, and that's why it's strained. So I would suggest that individual do a hamstring curl. The way it's done is that we take a loop of resistance band, we put it in a door where the loop is attached into the door at knee level. Now you're going to be sitting in a chair facing the door. The key that I'm always trying to promote to people is we're trying to work one muscle at a time. So people have always been told when you're doing an exercise, sit up straight. That's not a good concept because now your lower back muscles are working to support you. I just want you working your hamstring. So actually, you'll be leaning back in the chair. We put your ankle through the loop so your, your knee is starting almost straight, always short of full extension. We never want to lock a joint. 
you'll simply point your toes up and then you're going to start to drive your heel back until your lower leg is perpendicular to the ground or the knee is at a 90 degree angle. You're doing this against resistance. So we want to make sure that we find the right resistance. Typically, we do three sets of 10 repetitions, and that's the way you would isolate and strengthen the hamstring, which corrects the shortening of the quadricep muscle, the front thigh muscle, allowing the pelvis to be maintained at its proper neutral position, thereby allowing the lower back muscles to maintain their optimal length, and it allows you to support your torso and perform your activities without straining that would be the way I would try to work the lower back, uh, the lower back issue, lower back pain. Well, and one of the keys that you've just mentioned is that if somebody says, if my back hurts, why would I exercise my back? And what you're suggesting is you wouldn't. I mean, eventually you're going to see your back get better, but you're going to target other contributory muscles that could actually be the source of some of the the shortening of the muscles that you described, which led to you having the problem when you were trying to do the activity. So, you know, if somebody says, but my back hurts, I can't move. Well, we're not asking you to move your back. We're asking you to do a different activity that's going to help your back, but there's no reason to fear doing it because it shouldn't elicit that level of pain you're afraid of. Is that right? So first, let me make one critical point. One of the great misnomers about how people were treated is that if they have pain in a specific location, that is the location where the causes look for. I can tell you now, after almost 30 years, that in more than 99.99999% of cases, the cause of pain is not where the pain is being experienced. And that's quite simply based on the idea that the body is a chain of muscles working synergistically to allow for function. If all the muscles aren't strong, one muscle will break down, but it will cause another to compensate. That's typically where the symptom is experienced. So where the symptom is being experienced is just the point where it finally was the breakdown. The cause is typically somewhere else. Now, in terms of exercise, what I'm saying in terms of why you have pain with activity but not by doing exercise is because when you're doing activities, activities take groups of muscles to perform them. If all the muscles aren't strong enough, meaning that their force output is not enough for the force requirements of doing the activity, a muscle's going to strain. So anytime you're going to do group muscle activities, there's a possibility you'll have pain if all the muscles aren't strong enough. When you're doing the YAS method type of strain training, that's isolating an individual muscle. As I mentioned, the rest of the body is fully stable. So... We're working within the constraints that that muscle can work against to find the appropriate resistance, thereby preventing any pain from ever being elicited. As we use all these muscles and strengthen them, now we've gotten all the muscles strong enough to perform the activity with a greater force output than the force requirement. That's what then allows you to go back and do your activities without having pain. You need to strengthen all the individual muscles separately. Then that gets integrated back into function and allows you to be pain-free and fully functional. Well, I can see where physics definitely helped this situation. And and I absolutely am in awe of the way that taking a look at this from a, from a single muscle function type of perspective can really help people with their with their symptoms and help them to get better. Now, we've got only about a minute left. Where can people find out more? 
So if people want to email me directly, you can contact me at drmitch at mitchellyoffs.com or just go to my website, livewithoutpains.com, livewithoutpains, it's plural, .com. I want people to understand that uh, you do not have to get the Yacht Method in person. I have been doing virtual sessions for five to six years already. It is a very common way of doing this, and it is highly effective. So if you're in Hawaii, as much as I'd love to get there and share some time with you there, you can just get the Yacht Method virtually by the use of the Yacht Method Zoom session. Fantastic. I want to thank you very much, Dr. Yas, for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. And it certainly sounds like you've put in a lot of time and effort in years to develop this method and have lots of success. We will have to talk about this again. If you'd like to hear the show, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We'll see you next week right here on The Body Show. Mm-hmm.